The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. I've got a question for you today. The question is this Why are you here at Life Source today? What, what drew you to be in the seat that you're in right now? Are you here because it's your custom to come to church every Sunday? Are you here because a family member dragged you along? A parent, a spouse, perhaps even one of the kids says, I want to go to church today because our kids' ministry is so awesome. Yeah. Are you here because you love to worship God corporately with a live band or maybe you're here to hear a great sermon today? Hopefully I can deliver on that for you. Are you here to receive... Or perhaps maybe you're here to contribute. Could I put it to you today that it'd be fantastic if you're here for both, to receive and to contribute into the house of God. And Today is Be the Church Day. And the seed thought behind that comes from a quote by Craig Grishel. Craig Grishel, he's a pastor in the US, and he said this, The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. So let's clarify a few things here. The church is not a building. We refer to this as going to church, but technically this building is not the church. Even the organization called Life Source is not the church. In the New Testament, the word used for church is the ecclesia, which is the gathering of believers, the gathering together of people who follow Jesus. So that makes us the church. Here is a local gathering of believers. This is a local church, but there's also the universal church all across the world. On a Sunday morning and throughout the week, believers gather together in the name of Jesus and they are the church. When we come to Life Source, it's about us gearing up to bless others and to make a difference in our world. And if you've come to church today to not only receive something, that's great. But you know what? That's not really the full deal. Church is not something that we do individually. One person turning up, despite whatever we call the building or the name of the organization, is not church. It's we together. It's something that we do collectively. We are a family. And a healthy family, by its very nature, is interdependent. A healthy family, by its its very nature, is interdependent. So we are not dependent individuals. We are not independent individuals. We are interdependent collectively as a family. I need you. You need me. That's how it works. We rely on each other to function in our various ways. We are family. We are church. And we all have something to value something of value to add to each other, every single one of us. Now, for many of us, receiving from family is the easy bit. It's contributing. It's what can I add value into? Where can I serve? That's a bit harder. And that's what we're going to talk about today, about finding where you can contribute to the life of our church. I'm going to encourage you to be the church to adopt the mindset of a healthy family where we come not only to receive from God and receive from each other, but also to make our own contribution. We want to be an interdependent 
body of believers. How about you pray with me? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who's already here at work. And I pray, Lord, that the message you've put on my heart, you'd help me to communicate it effectively. Father, that you would bring a stirring into each of our hearts to have the revelation of who we are as a church, a body of believers, and Lord, as your family. Lord, that we would act upon it and and understand what you want us to do in that regard. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. Every single person here has a choice. You have a choice as to whether you want to serve or whether you want to be served or whether you're going to contribute, or whether you're just here to receive, or maybe it's a bit of both. The reality is is that you can come to church and park in your favorite parking spot. You can sit in your favorite seat. You're sitting in the favorite seat? I know who you are. It's fine. You can sit in your favorite seat. You can enjoy the worship. You can enjoy the preaching. You can say hello to your friends at the end of the service and go home, and that makes for a nice safe Sunday morning experience. That's great. Or or you can throw yourself into an adventure by rolling up your sleeves and being prepared to get involved, to join a team of like-minded servants and help build the local church that God has called you to be a part of. Hopefully, that's here with us at Life Source. Jesus himself was the greatest example of a servant. And there's a fantastic story in John 13 where Jesus shows us really what it likes, well, really what it means and what it's like to be a servant. It's the story where they have the Last Supper. And uh, in the custom back in those days, uh, well, firstly, people would walk around in sandals. Obviously, there's no concrete or bitumen, dusty roads. And so consequently, their feet would get very dirty. It was customary in those days to sit at a table that was quite low to to the ground and to recline around the table. And more often than not, your feet would end up in the personal space of somebody else. And for that reason, there was always a servant who was supposed to be there to wash the, the feet of the guests as they arrived. So that was the custom of the day. Now, on this particular day, the foot washer did not turn up. He didn't get the SMS reminder. He didn't read his email. He slept in. We don't know what his excuse was, but there was no foot washer. The water was there. The basin was there. The towel to dry the feet was there, but there's no foot washer. And can you imagine with me for a moment, what was going through the minds of the disciples as they filed into this room? Imagine the first disciple. He walks into this room. The table is set up. There's the basin. There's the water. There's a towel there on the floor at the door. And he's looking around going, well, where's the foot washer? Where's the person who's supposed to clean my filthy feet? And at that moment, he has a decision to make, a snap decision. Am I going to wash my feet? And if I do, does that mean I have to wash everybody else's feet? Or does it mean, actually, I'm first in the room. I know where Jesus is going to sit, so I'm going to be advantageous and try and sit next to him. And in that split moment, he makes a decision. I'm not going to wash my feet. I'm certainly not going to wash anybody else's feet. And he goes and takes his seat at the table. The second disciple, he walks in. Again, he sees that there's the water there, the basin and the towel. He sees the first disciple and realizes he didn't wash his feet. Where's the foot washer? There is no foot washer. 
He thinks to himself, well, should I wash my feet? And if I do, does that mean I have to wash everybody else's feet this morning? I think that's a bit beneath me. I follow Jesus, the greatest teacher, the greatest rabbi of our time. I was chosen and called by him. And the servant is here and and I'm not that person. So I'm going to go and recline at the table as well. And can you imagine every single disciple, all 12 of them, they file in, they all see the water, they all have an expectation that somebody else is going to wash their feet, but nobody does it. Nobody does it. And can you imagine Jesus? Finally, Jesus walks in and he sees the water, he sees the towel, he sees the basin, and he he sees 12 disciples reclining around a table ready to enjoy a meal with their filthy feet in each other's personal space. And can you imagine Jesus? He's been with them for over three years. He's been sharing them about what the kingdom is supposed to be like, where you love your neighbor as yourself, where it's all about blessing other people. It's better to give than to receive, and it's not all about you. And Jesus has been trying to change their mindsets for over three years. And can you imagine perhaps the disappointment on his face when he realizes not not one of them, not one of them was prepared to be a servant to all the others. And so Jesus, he takes his place at the table, optimistic that somebody's going to twig, but they don't. And so halfway through the meal, he gets up. And he takes off his outer garment and he wraps the towel around his waist. He pours the water into the basin and one by one, he starts to wash their feet. Can you imagine the response of all the disciples? I can just imagine that one by one, they've all twigged. What's Jesus doing? Oh, Jesus is, Jesus is planning to wash feet. Whose feet is he planning to wash? And can you imagine the agony on their faces when they realize, you know what, for the past three years, Jesus has been telling us to be servants to other people, to love other people, to put other people first, and we missed this opportunity. Can you imagine the embarrassment on their faces when they realized of all 13 people in the room, it was Jesus, the one that took the initiative to serve everybody else. And we know that as we read this story that Peter, he protested. He said, no, no, Jesus, I can't possibly let you wash my feet. And Jesus rebukes him and says, look, I am doing every single person here because it is not beneath me to serve. Jesus, the savior of the world, the greatest prophet in the known world of that time, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever walked on earth, was prepared to humble himself and to serve his disciples by washing their feet. What an amazing example that Jesus sets for us. How much more should we be willing to serve those around us? I hope this morning, and this is not a a message about condemnation, this is a message about encouragement and empowerment and championing you to explore where God wants you to serve. And so this morning, I've got four different reasons why I think we should all serve. And the first one is this. Serving is the pathway to true greatness. 
Serving is the pathway to true greatness. Like many things in God's economy, when Jesus came, he flipped things on their head. If a soldier asks you to carry his equipment for a mile, carry it for two. If somebody strikes you on by the cheek, turn your cheek and let them strike you on the other side. When somebody asks you for your coat, for your coat give your shirt as well. It's better to give than to receive. And here we find another one in Mark chapter 9, reading from verse 33. And Jesus and the disciples have been traveling to a town called Capernaum. And Jesus asked them when, once they arrived, reading from Mark chapter 9, verse 33. When he was at the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? This is one of those questions where Jesus already knows the answer. Verse 34 says this, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. In the culture, they would argue about these sorts of things and they couldn't possibly allow themselves to sit at the 12th position, let alone, or even the second position, that matter, and they'd argue consistently about who was the greatest. This topic was raised more than once in the Bible. Verse 34, they kept quiet. Then verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. If you want to be great, you must be willing to serve. Notice that Jesus doesn't berate them to want to be great. He doesn't berate them for you shouldn't want to be great. What he does is he redefines the pathway to greatness. I love this quote by Martin Luther King, if only I could do it justice. But this is what Martin Luther King said. So Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. I remember Jim from Lighthouse in Wollongong, the church I was at before here. Jim was about in his mid-50s when he was saved. And uh, he, he was saved, and at the time, he, he was, yeah, he was a lonely uh, single man. Um, he had a, uh, a fused knee, so he wasn't able to bend his knee, so he'd, he'd hobble around the church. But soon after Jim was saved, he discovered the joy of serving. And it wasn't long before he was helping in the welcome team, and then he was uh, serving as a floor manager, coordinating all the hosting activities on a Sunday morning, and then he uh, got involved in the bus ministry to drive the bus, and then he started serving midweek at the community kitchen where we would serve meals to people coming in off the street, and then he also got involved in doing maintenance and odd jobs midweek throughout the church. And I was just so thrilled to have a front row seat to watch the transformation in Jim. I saw a man who was single and lonely and isolated become a great man. Jim died of cancer a few years ago. And I, was, I just felt so blessed to watch him just rise in his greatness as he stooped to serve again and again and again. And he gave his life to the church, and it was only for a few short years. But that was a great man. Serving is the pathway to true greatness.
Serving is the pathway to true greatness. Number two, serving brings a deep satisfaction. It brings a deep satisfaction. For me, one of the most satisfying things I can do is a random act of service or a random act of kindness. Those moments where people aren't expecting to be blessed, but we just get to go in and bless them anyhow because it is our joy and our privilege to do so. I remember a time where I was washing my car out the front of my place and my neighbor, she drove past and she wound down her window. And uh, do you wind down your window anymore? What do you, what do, you do? You push the button or whatever it's called. Kids these days, they've got no idea what I'm talking about. But the window came down. That's, that's where we're going. And she, she said to me, she said, oh, just you know, half jokingly, she says, oh, you can do mine next if you like. And she's joking about it, of course. But I thought to myself, hey, why not? I'm going to take her up on it. And so I washed her car. 15 minutes of my time. No big deal. And I wasn't going to say anything to her. I just did it. She didn't know about it until she obviously came out the next time and realized her car was nice and clean. And a few days later, she came to me and and saw me when we next crossed paths. And she said, did you wash my car? I said, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. And she was so totally blessed and blown away. And, And I wasn't after any acclaim. I wasn't after any recognition. I just wanted to bless her. And she was so totally blown away that I would do something like that. How many times do we have opportunities to just be a blessing to somebody and to love upon them? And sometimes we think, yeah, it's inconvenient, and sometimes we think, I've got other things to do. But I don't know about you, but for me, it's those random moments where it's so deeply satisfying. It's fulfilling what I believe God has called me to do in that moment. And why is serving so fulfilling? Well, it actually starts about, it starts where your motivation is at and what your attitude is towards serving. When you realize that you were not created to merely exist, but you were created to serve. You were not created just to merely exist, but to serve. Let me show you in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. I chose you. I chose all of you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. Did you know that? Each and every single one of us, before we were born, God already had in mind, there's moments scattered across all of your lives where he has a special work that is only for you to perform, only for you to fulfill God created you for a unique purpose, and when you start fulfilling that purpose, it is deeply satisfying. A fish is created for water, not for the land. Think about a bird. It can, some of them can swim. Most of them are fine on land as well, but they are at their best when they're in the sky. And you and I were created to serve a purpose, and that is a God-ordained purpose. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer here, because I'm sure in a congregation this size, now that no doubt there's been people here who you've given a a go, you've tried to serve in a different area, and for whatever reason, the the people you were serving with weren't very nice, that must have been a different church, of course, Um, or people didn't turn up to show you what needed to be done, or you weren't sure how things were supposed to work, or it just got too messy and too complicated, and I'm sorry for all those things, but maybe you were trying to serve in a place that wasn't your best fit. 
Maybe God has a different purpose for you to serve into. And maybe it just takes a little bit of experimentation to find out where is it that you fit? Where is it that you can be used most by God? And so by the end of today, we're going to be thinking and praying about that, about where your fit is. Okay, serving is the pathway to true greatness. Serving brings deep satisfaction. The third one is this. Serving, when it's done in the name of Christ, yields fruit. We need to remind ourselves over and over and over again that whenever we're serving, it's not in vain. I know that sometimes we can be doing things and there's no recognition for it and it seems like it's fruitless ministry. I'm sure the people in our church that go out to Chatswood and I'm sure most people don't want to talk to somebody who's trying to evangelize. But the fact is, is that there's seeds that are being sown into those lives. And God says that it is never, ever in vain. God values every contribution. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. And so I want to say to you that if you're already serving and if you're about to take the leap today and about to start serving, what you're doing is actually part of the redemptive drama that's been going on throughout human history. The role that you're playing is not insignificant and God treasures every task you perform and every minute of service that you render. It's all part of the chain of grace that Pastor John talked about a few weeks ago. Does anybody remember the chain of grace? He was talking about a chain with all the links. They link up together. And at the end of the chain, there's somebody who finds Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we all play a part in one of those links, sowing seeds, being a blessing to other people, speaking words of life, being the hands of Jesus to people in all different ways, in all different avenues. And you know what? God, other people might not see it and other people might not value it, but the one that does matter does see it and he does value it. Never, ever, ever, ever believe that what you do in the name of Christ is pointless or fruitless because God says that it's not done in vain. Let's recap. Serving is the pathway to true greatness. Serving brings deep satisfaction. Serving in the name of Christ yields fruit. The fourth one is this. Serving brings in blessing. Serving brings in blessing. We're going to go back to the story about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And we're going to turn to John chapter 13. And we're going to read from verse 12 about what Jesus says about that moment. John chapter 13, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no greater no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed 
if you do them. Do you notice that Jesus is Lord and teacher and by him actually uh, humbling himself and serving the disciples doesn't put him beneath them. It puts him still at the same level that he was before as their master and teacher. But there it is in verse 17. It says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Serving is an amazing blessing. For me personally, I count it a privilege to serve, an absolute privilege to serve. And there's all sorts of blessings that come from serving. There's the new people that you meet and the new friends that you make. There's the new sphere of influence that you have around you, around you and, the, and the support network that comes with that. But there's also, you get to learn a lot about yourself and understand what am I good at and maybe what I'm not good at. Maybe the things that I have a passion for that I never knew I had. But the greatest blessing, of course, is the eternal blessing that's awaiting for us in heaven. For those who diligently obey and serve, God adds it to your account in our eternal blessings in heaven. And so today, we can come up with all sorts of reasons why we don't want to serve or why we can't serve. And look, this is again not condemnation. This is about encouraging you to find where you fit, encourage you to find where you can serve. And for some people where they're at in their stage of life, Maybe you're a new mum and just getting out there is a real difficult thing for you. That's totally fine. Or for whatever other reason, there might be a challenge before you where you're not able to make space in your life right now to serve. But for those who might be rationalizing and saying things like, I don't have time or I don't know what I would do or I don't think I have anything to contribute. I'm not very good at anything or they don't need me. The church doesn't need my help. Can I tell you all those things? They're a big fat lie if I could be honest. Because God designed you, even before you were born, with a purpose. Absolutely. And trust me, I know, we have needs in our church. There are ministries that don't even currently exist that we would love to fill. We've got a bus out there that we'd love to be picking up people with every Sunday. We haven't got there to a place where we can do that yet. We're getting a new lighting system in a few weeks' time, and I need a few tech heads who want to get all nerdy with me and start to work out, how do these suckers work? Hopefully there's a seed dropping in some hearts right there. I'd love to see somebody with a heart for young mums stepping into our mother's room and blessing young mums every week. I'm sure different leaders in our church could come up with all sorts of different things that they'd love to do, but the need is great. And I want to encourage you. Is God speaking to you right now? Is God saying to you, now's the time, now's your opportunity to explore and discover that divine purpose that I have set aside for you? The truth is that for many of us, there's a place for us to serve here inside Life Source, inside of this local church. For some of you, it'll be exclusively outside of the local church. And you know what? That's totally fine. This is all about building the kingdom of God, not one church. But for most of us, I think it might be a bit of both. It's, it's out, this outside of the congregation, but it's also inside the congregation. And our desire for you today is that you would start to discover your fit and start to explore areas that you can serve in. 
Now, I'm going to be bold and put this out there because there's many here who already do serve. And I'm going to say to you that if you already serve but you don't feel that what you're serving in is a good fit for you, you are now ready to be released into what you are a good fit for. As a leader, I need to be secure enough to let people go into other areas of service knowing that God's going to bring new people in to help fulfill those gaps. And so I just want to put it out there that if you're serving, you feel that it's not a good fit for you. If you feel like that square peg in the round hole, that's okay. Go and talk to your leader and we're going to work out a transition where we can help you find what the right fit is for you. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.